0: Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the opening pages of the Bible, we hear the story of Cain and Abel. Abel, we hear, was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground we hear how in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought an offering, the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. Next, we hear that the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. No explanation is given for why Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's was not. But instead of trying to make it right, Cain got angry. The Lord takes note and asks Cain why he is angry and why his face has fallen. The Lord says to him that if you do well, will you not be, also be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. We all know what happens next. Cain doesn't make things right with God and instead directs his anger at his innocent brother. Some mystery surrounds what was unacceptable about Cain's offering and acceptable about Abel's. Some think it has something to do with animals versus the fruit of the ground, but that seems unlikely because even in Jewish law uh, that was given by God himself, there are offerings of the fruit of the ground like cereals and fruits. More likely, Cain's offering was marred by something that's subtle, but different beyond what Cain offered versus Abel. We note that Abel's sacrifice is specifically described as being the firstborn, and also that he offered their fat portions, which later we see in Jewish law were always to be offered in the context of sacrifice to, only to the Lord because they were considered the choices, the best portions of the animals that were being sacrificed. On the other hand, we see that Cain brought, just quote, the fruit of the ground. No mention is made of them being the first fruits or anything to distinguish them as the best fruits. When fruits are offered, they're supposed to be the first fruits, the best fruits. And we should also always give only our best to the Lord. And it seems that there is implied here that Cain was holding back the best for himself rather than giving it to God. Beyond this, perhaps Cain was also already breeding some hatred for his brother before he made his his offering. Perhaps he was jealous of his firstborn brother. Maybe he would have liked to have taken care of the animals versus toil over the hard ground to get it to bring forth crops. Perhaps we hear that Cain first brought his offering because he was racing beat his brother rather than to make sure that he gave the best to the lord i presume it's all obvious that having something amiss in your own heart with respect to your brother god or your neighbor when you bring your offering is going to make that offering less acceptable unto the lord therefore it's so important that we prepare our hearts our minds and our bodies for holy communion each and every week through prayer and fasting And through regular sacramental confession each week we say in the divine liturgy echoing the world words of paul that we're offering ourselves our souls and bodies to be a reasonable holy and living sacrifice unto god prayer fasting and confession are part of how we ensure that we have nothing in our own hearts that's standing between us and god something that mars the quality of our offering something that keeps it from being the best fruit or the choicest parts of the animal. We must always offer spotless lambs to the Lord. Yet today, Jesus teaches us that we must go beyond just making sure that what is in our own heart is in the right place. Today's gospel reading opens with Jesus saying to his disciples, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven." Wait a minute, aren't the scribes and the Pharisees the bad guys in the New Testament? Well, in some specific ways, yes, but overall, no. Let's not forget that Jesus seems to have quite a liking for the Pharisees. Indeed, he struck one down on a Damascus road to be his apostle to the Gentiles. That Pharisee, who we know as Paul, who did not renounce his Phariseeism to become a disciple of Christ. Rather, we see in Acts that he defended himself as one of them in front of the Sanhedrin saying, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. This understanding that Jesus believes the Pharisees are righteous is further emphasized by Jesus's transition to this section of his Sermon on the Mount, which occurs immediately before today's gospel passage and starts with Jesus saying, Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not a iota, not a dot, will pass away from the law, until all it is accomplished. Whoever then relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who does them and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And in this sermon. In this section of the Sermon on the Mount, which we heard today in the Gospel passage, and we heard more of in today's reading for morning prayer. Jesus delivers a new law that exceeds the old law delivered to Moses on Mount Sinai, essentially one upping each of the commandments through a series of you have heard that it was said, followed by a new commandment. Jesus is delivering a new law, exceeding the old law delivered to Moses on Mount Sinai. You have heard you shall not kill, but I say, Everyone who is angry is liable to judgment. You have heard, you shall not commit adultery. But I say, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. You have heard, you shall not swear falsely or bear false witness. But I say, do not swear at all. You have heard, an eye for an eye. But I say, do not resist the one who is evil. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It is in this context that Jesus says if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift there and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift Jesus is essentially telling us that yes it's true as you know that if in, if your heart's not in the right place that your sacrifice will not be acceptable but now But now you're ready to hear the next step on the progression to getting closer to God, that to inherit the kingdom of heaven, we must exceed just examining our own hearts. And we must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees and examine whether or not not only our own heart is in the right place, but whether our heart is in the right place with those around us. And yet there seems to be a little bit more specificity here. Jesus doesn't say, remember at the altar that your neighbor has something against you, but that if you remember that your brother does. Why our brother? Well, because I think at least for now, this is a family affair. Perhaps as we continue to get, grow closer to God in the path of theosis, we'll learn that this doesn't apply just to our brother, but to our neighbor too. In fact, St. Paul exhorts us to live peaceably with all, so far as it depends on you. However, when it concerns our brothers and sisters in Christ, it does not just depend on us. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we are all part of the body under one head in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our heart cannot be at war with our liver, or we will soon die. And the good news is that when we are talking about a situation where our brother or sister in Christ has something against us, we can have faith that our brother or sister in Christ will forgive us. They must forgive us. They must reconcile for us, with us. For we pray in the words that Jesus gave us, as we also heard in morning prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, quoting Paul in his epistle to the Colossians, bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you and you also must forgive. Your brother or sister must forgive you. After all, the Lord tells us himself that for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We are taught as Christians that God will only forgive us to the measure we forgive others. And that is very good news in this circumstance. If we remember that our brother or sister has something against us, we can count on them as Christians to forgive us and to reconcile with us. If they are also living as part of the body of Christ. Of course, the problem is we're all still subject to sin we still may not be able to receive the reconciliation and forgiveness from our brother in Christ. But when we realize that someone else has something against us, and we step away to ask for that forgiveness, we can be assured of God's forgiveness of us and our reconciliation with God, should our our brother or sister in Christ withhold it after our honest and humble attempt to reconcile with them. To have reconciliation and peace within the body is a sign of its health what we give and offer on the altar is not merely for ourselves instead we join our sacrifice with the one sacrifice of christ once offered making a full perfect and sufficient sacrifice oblation and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world we in bringing our gifts to the altar most importantly our souls and bodies is to witness to the wholeness and health of the body of christ and we can't do that if we do not have the members of the body of Christ reconciled to each other. And all and all too often petty schism or more serious errors get in the way of us witnessing to that healthy and whole body of Christ. So brothers and sisters, I encourage you not only in so much as you can to live peaceably with others, but also to ensure that you are at the ready to forgive your brother or sister in Christ against whom you may have something. First, because you must not be holding grudges inside yourself so that your gift can be acceptable. That was always obvious. But second, because you now know you would be holding back your brother and sister in Christ from offering the best that they can offer to the Lord too. We're not here to make our fellow Christians suffer, but to make them soar. We're here to bear them up on our hands so that they do not strike their foot against the stone. Our salvation and their salvation depend on it. Our relationship with God and their relationship with God depend on it. We must be ready always to seek and always be ready to offer forgiveness for any wrong we have committed or endured. After all, that is what God has done in sending his son. Even when we... We're in the earlier stage, only worrying about our own heart. God sent his only son to die on the cross so that we would be forgiven, so that we could be reconciled to him, even though we hadn't even taken the first step. And now in the end times, the Christian era, we're called to something higher. We're called to take that step, not just with God, who truly wants our sacrifice to be a broken spirit, as David says, inspired by the Holy Spirit in Psalm 51, one that recognizes its microscopic nature in the face of the Spirit of God and humbly makes within us a broken and contrite heart. And yet God doesn't ask that of us first, for he's already come, he's already come to all. And all the, that last little tiny bit, he's come all the way except that last little bit to reconcile with us, as we've discussed so many times before. And all we really need to do is just turn around, repent, We we almost don't even need to take even as much of a step towards him to be reconciled. Yet even in that tiny step that we all need to take, there is an eternal journey for us as finite creatures in the presence and love of our eternal God. But what needs the hard work Jesus is telling us today is not between us and him. He's already done so much of that work. But it's between us and our brothers and sisters in Christ. He knows even that's hard, and yet without that harmony, without that unity, we are not offering the best we can to the Lord. Psalm 122 reminds us, this saying, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. I pray that we as Christians will dwell together in unity against the darkness that surrounds us. And we must be ready to do this with respect to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ within the Orthodox faith. As a church within the Western Rite Vicariate, we must be understanding when our fellow Eastern Rite brothers and sisters have, from a position of ignorance or animosity even, attacked us, and be ready and willing to forgive. More often, their action comes from what they perceive in their own hearts as protecting God and the Christian faith. So let us be ready. Let us be ready. And let us be ready with those where there's so many divisions, so many quarrels that are holding us apart with other parts of the Christian world. Yes, many of them matter. Don't get me wrong. Yes, in fact, some of them are fundamental to our understanding of who God is, who Jesus Christ our Lord is, and who we are. And getting it right matters a lot. But at the same time, to offer the best we can to all to God, we all must be ready to listen to one another and ready to forgive when those essential differences are reconciled. And of course, to reconcile them, we must be ready, like our Lord, to meet our fellow Christians where they are, while they are still, quote unquote, our enemies, and love and forgive them if we're to meet and defeat the deceits of Satan in this world. So may our righteousness exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. May we as the law of the scribes and Pharisees command, love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our souls, with all our minds, and with all our bodies, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And may we exceed that law by not only loving our neighbor, but ensuring in everything we do that they can't help but love us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.